Okay, so we're looking at the um, foot. We're going to take the muscles on the plantar surface of the foot. We're going to take them off in layers. That was our first layer, abductor hallucis. Flexor digitorum brevis, which was going to be comparable in the upper extremity of the flexor digitorum superficialis. And then over on the little toe side, abductor digiti minimi. Keeping in mind, we have two, two nerves that are going to pass along the plantar surface of the foot, the medial plantar and the lateral plantar. They were a split of the tibial. This was our second level. Looked at a muscle called the quadratus planti, or flexor digitorum accessorius which was going to pull on the tendon of the flexor digitorum longus, try to straighten it out a little bit as the, that tendon uh, would divide up into four and go to the terminal phalanx of each of your four toes. So we looked at our second level there, and at that level we also picked up the lumbrical muscles, four lumbrical muscles, similar to what we had in the hand, came from the, this, these ones are coming from the tendon of the flexor digitorum longus, which in the upper extremity would have been the flexor digitorum profundus, same idea. Still comes around and it will blend into the dorsal expansion on the backs of each of your four toes, not your big toe, but the other four toes. Still technically would have the same kind of uh, functioning as we had on the lumbrical muscles in the hand. That would, in this case, technically would then allow you to, to flex the uh, metatarsophalangeal joint, but pull on the dorsal expansion and get complete extension of the two interphalangeal joints of your toes. Same idea. And uh, the other difference was that in the lower extremity, the medial plantar only was, go was going to do the lumbrical muscle for your second toe, and then the lateral plantar was going to do the other three lumbrical muscles. Remember, in the hand, it was split a little differently. The two lateral lumbrical muscles were innervated by the median nerve, and the two medial lumbrical muscles were innervated by the ulnar nerve, or the deep branch of the ulnar nerve. So there's a little bit of a difference in the upper extremity, lower extremity in that nerve uh, allocation. Right? Then we went to the third layer. Short muscle, short flexor muscle for the big toe, an adductor for the big toe, and a flexor digiti minimi for the little toe. Went across there. So that then gives us, uh, takes us to the last level. And the last level here, where we're going to end up with, at the last level, we've got the tendon, the deep tendons. We have the one for the peroneus longus coming across, using the groove in the cuboid bone, came across and attached, almost the same attachment as the tibialis anterior. That would be to the, the distal end of the first metatarsal, first cuneiform bone, came across that way. And then we also, at this level, we're going to pick up the tibialis posterior. And as we mentioned before, that a very common attachment for the tibialis posterior, if you want, just the one catch phrase for it, would be to the tubercle on the navicular bone. But you can see it spreads out a little bit more than that. It fans out more. But that's good enough. That'll give us the uh, attachment for the tibialis uh, posterior muscle coming across that way. So now we have on this level uh, seven endrosii muscles, same way we had seven in the hand. We'll have uh, three planters, and we'll have four dorsal. In the hand, we had three palmer, four dorsal, same kind of idea. Same idea in the, in the foot, that is the plantar ones are going to adduct. They're going to allow you to pinch your toes together towards the second toe. And the second toe is our reference point in the, in the foot. And the dorsal ones will be abductors. They'll allow you to spread your toes apart away from the second toe. And allow the second toe to move in both directions. It allows the second, this is my second toe, it allows the second toe to go this way and back towards your big toe, right? That would be the process of abducting. 
all will be innervated by that deep branch of the lateral uh, plantar nerve. Remember, the, lateral, the plantar nerve will split into a superficial one and a deep one, and the deep one is the one that's going to give us a lot of the motor innervation for the uh, muscles, in, a, lot of the, a lot of the muscles, intrinsic muscles of the foot itself. So there's a, a, a little bit of a look at the plantar and the um, dorsal interossei muscles. Once again, the plantar ones are going to give you adducting, squeezed towards the second toe, and the dorsal ones will give you abducting, spread away from the second toe, and allow the second toe to move in both directions, and all innervated by the lateral plantar nerve. The deep branch of the lateral plantar will take care of that. That's our fourth level. That's our bottom level. That's as deep as we're going to go. And this one I put up to give you an idea of the, the uh, upper extremity, lower extremity. So in the hand, we had dorsal. In the foot, we have dorsal. And you'll notice that in the hand, dorsal interosseous muscle centered around both sides of the third finger. So that, that in the hand, that would allow the third finger to go over this way towards the little finger. And it would allow the middle finger to go back towards the index finger in the process of abducting. But you notice that in the uh, dorsal one in the foot, it's the second toe that has that mus muscles on either side that allow the second toe to go one way over towards the little toe or the other way over towards the big toe. So that's why there's a difference in, in between the hand and the foot in the, the, the uh, reference point we use. Then if you go over on the other side, once again, we're looking at the foot and looking at the hand on the palmer or planter component of it. And once again, you'll notice that on the palmer side in the hand, the, the third digit, the middle finger, does not have a muscle that will move a, a palmer one. And you'll notice that in the foot, the second digit does not have a, palm, a, a planter one. So that gives you the idea of the shifting the reference point between the hand and the foot. It's slightly different, but uh, that's the reason why. It's just the attachments of the interossei muscles, the dorsal ones, that make that difference. And you change the reference points that way. Then, when we take a look at the arteries and the nerves that are going to pass in the, in the plantar surface of the foot, uh, we will take the, which one do we do first? Arteries or the nerves of the arteries? Nerves, okay. We'll take the tibial nerve, we'll put it around the medial malleolus, along with the uh, tendons that we look at. We'll take the tibial nerve and split it into a medial and lateral plantar nerves. And keep in mind that these are now going to go underneath that first level that we talked about. Remember our first level here had the abductor halluses. We had the, the um, where was I, the uh, digiti minimi, abductor digiti minimi. And we had, this is the cut portion of the uh, flexor digitorum brevis. So this nerve will then cut up come up underneath those muscles this way, particularly the abductor halluses. We'll take the nerve and split it into a medial and lateral plantar. And we've discussed and, and have taken a look at the nerve innervation out of the medial and lateral plantars. Lateral plantar will split into a superficial and a deep branch. We took a look at that. We main, the deep branch will be the main one for innervating those intrinsic muscles that we looked at, particularly we, we just looked at the, the set of seven interossei muscles all innervated through the lateral, the deep branch on the, of, this, of the lateral plantar. And then if we take a look at the cutaneous distribution, you can see that it is a lot like the palm of the hand. 
and we have down here the tibial nerve, that's before it's split. So we'll have cutaneous distribution of the plantar surface of your heel here. Over on the medial side, once again, we'll pick up that saphenous nerve, which was a component of the femoral. We were going to use it when we got down to the medial side of the, uh, of the leg around the medial malleolus and the medial side of the foot. Uh, when we looked at the top of the foot, the dorsal surface, we also picked up the, the saphenous in its cutaneous distribution here. Over on the lateral side, we'll pick up that sural nerve. Remember that kind of a combination from, from both the tibial and the common peroneal. They made a common sural nerve, went down the middle of the back of the leg. Uh, subcutaneous one will follow the short saphenous vein down the middle of the back of the leg. And so the blue area in here would give us the cutaneous distribution off from the sural. And then you'll notice in the plantar surface of the foot here, quite similar to what we had in the hand. So we're going to use the little toe and the lateral component off, off the fourth toe. This will be the lateral plant, the superficial branch of the lateral plantar here. And then the rest of this will be from the median nerve. Yeah, the, sorry, the medial plantar nerve will be this. Now, if you don't remember the hand, this area, if we looked at that in the hand, that would have been the cutaneous distribution from the median nerve. And if we looked at, if we considered this to be the palmar surface of the hand, this would be from our superficial branch of the ulnar nerve. Taking the little, the ulnar nerve was going to do the little finger and the medial half of the ring finger and the median nerve was going to do virtually the rest of the palm of the hand. Well, then you take a look at this, it's quite similar in, in the division, uh, the cutaneous division. The med medial plantar nerve would do all this, and this darker purple area here, little toe, and the lateral half of your fourth toe would be from the superficial division of the lateral plantar nerve. Quite similar. And then if we take a minute, I believe the same thing up here, if we take a look at the uh, arterial supply coming around, once again, we picked up the uh, posterior tibial artery as it came back around the medial malleolus with the three tendons that we looked at and the tibial nerve. We're going to take the, the uh, posterior tibial artery, we'll split it into a, sup uh, into a medial and lateral plantar. And you can see the medial plantar coming this way and the lateral plantar coming up underneath the um, uh, flexor digitorum brevis coming across this way and then arcing across and then we would get then digital branches coming from this arcing component off of the lateral plantar. And we keep in mind as well, we had uh, an interconnection between the arterial supply on the plantar surface and the arterial supply on the dorsal surface. There will be a connection between those two arterial supplies. I can flip it back to the, where we looked at the top of the foot. Long way away, somewhere here. Oh, there we go. You notice that that dorsalis pedis artery was going to give a deep branch that would go between your big toe and your second toe, and that would then allow a connection between the arterial supply on the top of the foot, the dorsal surface, and the arterial supply we just described now on the plantar surface through that deep plant that would connect the two together. Okay. Oh, there was a, that's the cutaneous member on the top of the foot, the dorsal surface of it. Saphenous here, which was that component of the femoral. Sural over on the lateral side. Superficial branch here of the common peroneal, doing most of what we have on the a dorsal surface of the foot. And then a little bit from the deep peroneal 
between your second, your second toe and your big toe in that region there. So this was our cutaneous distribution on the dorsal surface. That's the same thing, a little bit bigger, but it gives you the same idea. The nerve and the artery are going to do basically the same thing. They're going to split into medial and lateral plantars. And the lateral plantar will split into a deep and a superficial. And I included that. That's the same thing there. And if I remember right, Somewhere. Oh. Uh, I guess I don't have that one. Okay, we don't do that. Okay. So that is the end of that. We've taken it all the way down to your big toe and your little toe. So from there. Our next step is to take a look at the joints in the region. So, I'm going to get out of here. And we'll go here. Okay, hip joint. So, let's have a look at this one. There's an idea of how the three bones are knit together. Uh, around the acetabulum. So basically, if you looked at it, the top half of the acetabulum would be a component of the ilium. The bottom front quarter of it would be from the pubis, the bottom back quarter of the acetabulum from the ischium. And you notice that within the acetabulum, we have a lunate surface. That would be this surface here. That lunate surface would be then covered with our arterial or hyaline cartilage. Uh, and then an acetabular fossa, and the fossa here will have a fat pad in it in this region here. And you notice that the surface doesn't go all the way around, so we have a notch. We have a little located there. And remember, the rule was that if it's inside the fibrous capsule of the joint, if the bone was not covered with hyaline or articular cartilage, it had to be covered with synovial membrane. So we are going to have to cover this area here with synovial membrane on the inside of the acetabulum there, because it's not covered with hyaline cartilage. So there's an idea of the design then of the hip, made up of the three bones coming together, and a bit of a notch created, because the lunate surface doesn't go all the way around. Okay. Now, in the, in the acetabulum, we're going to end up with uh, a fibrocartilage ring that will go around, acetabular labrum. It will come out beyond the, the rim of the acetabulum. If I, I think I had a better picture here. This one, you have to watch, you have to look at this one pretty carefully. So obviously, here's the acetabular. The lunate surface came around this way, and that would be the hyaline cartilage lined area. And then this acetabular fossa would have a bit of a fat pad in it. And then if you look very carefully around the rim of the Acetabulum coming around this way is the fibrocartilage ring, the acetabular labrum, which comes around like this. The acetabular labrum will then gap, come across the gap here, the acetabular notch, 
and then it will, it will form, as it bridges this notch, it'll form this transverse acetabular ligament. Now, the, the ligament is really an extension of the labrum coming around that gap. But the, the tissue making up the transverse ligament is not the same cartilaginous tissue that's making up, that's making up the acetabular labrum. It, the, the content of it, the composition of it changes. But for our purposes, if you take that acetabular labrum and bring it all the way around, the bottom portion that bridges that acetabular notch will form this transverse ligament coming across this way. It's not exactly the same um, composition, but for our purposes, it, it serves as a reasonable uh, explanation of what we've got here for. And that will then create a little bit of a, a uh, gap underneath the ligament. I'll go back and say, look here. Uh, it creates a little bit of a gap underneath the ligament here. So what we're going to end up with traveling underneath that way will be branches of the obturator artery, which we said was a branch coming off of the internal iliac artery. And branches of the obturator artery are now going to then be able to get inside the joint cavity of the hip. And when we get a little further on, you'll notice that the obturator artery will now be an artery that will be able then to supply portions of the head of the femur with arterial blood. So that artery will kind of go underneath that, the transverse ligament in that fashion. All right, so now, when we get this, this far, uh, we need to take a look at the fibrous capsule around the hip joint, really strong, made up of three parts. Now, this picture here gives you the, what would be the fibrous capsule coming across this way from the, this view. But basically, what we can do in order to describe the fibrous capsule is divide it up into its three intrin intrinsic ligaments that belong to it. So we're going to end up with one component that will come from the rim of the acetabulum asso uh, associated with the ilium. Also comes from a little bit of uh, this area here on the uh, iliopubic uh, eminence coming around this way. That will be the iliofemoral ligament coming across. Then coming from the rim of the acetabulum associated with the pubis around here coming this way and almost blending with these lower fibers of the iliofemoral will be the pubofemoral. And then coming from the rim of the acetabulum on the backside, coming from the portions of it associated with the ischium, will be the ischiofemoral ligament coming around this way. So if we take a look at the iliofemoral ligament from both the area of the anterior inferior spine of the ilium and from the rim of the acetabulum associated with the ilium, Fibers are going to come across and attach onto the intertrochanteric line on the front of the femur. Sometimes they describe it as having two parts, one part coming up this way, a more superior part coming this way and, and associating itself over here more with the greater trochanter, and a more inferior part coming down this way, associating itself closer to the inferior trochanter, the, the uh, lesser trochanter rather, here. So sometimes they take the iliofemoral and divide it up and so they almost sometimes describe it as a, a Y pattern to the fibers on it. Parts of it coming up here to the greater, parts coming down here to the lesser. But in any event, you can see that the attachment of it uh, is not particularly straight across, but there is a little bit of a twist to the, the fibers on the, on the, uh, of the ligament. So that, once again, it's going to help give a little bit of strength to that. This one is an extremely strong ligament. Uh, the, this front one, the iliofemoral. It's going to help prevent the uh, 
not prevent, but it's going to restrict, if you like, the amount of extension of the hip that you could get. So when you extend your hip, you can see this one will become gradually more tighter and tighter as the hip moves a little further back. So that's the iliofemoral. Pubofemoral coming from the rim of the acetabulum associated with the pubis. Fibers almost coming, once again, they're not coming exactly straight across. They're kind of twisting a little bit as they come. And they're almost going to blend in with these lower fibers of the iliofemoral and attach once again along the intertrochanteric line coming across this way. That will be the pubofemoral ligament coming around like that. And you can see that this one would tighten up the more you abducted the hip. The more you, you uh, lifted the hip outward away from the midline and abducting it, then the tighter the pubofemoral would, be, would get. And it was also going to, as well, give you some, it will tighten up the more that you extend the hip. That would be the pubofemoral. And then from the rim of the acetabulum around this way, associated with the ischium, will be the ischiofemoral. And you keep, once again, this one more than the others, will spiral or twist as it goes around. And once again, it's going to come around to the front and attach onto the intertrochanteric line around the front. Comes around this way. You'll notice that, that when you look at it from the back view, you'll notice that not all of the neck of the femur is incorporated into the fibrous capsule of the hip joint. Then we have a little bit of a spot in here coming around like that. This would then be the ischiofemoral. And once again, this is going to get tightened up the more you extend the hip. You can see that if you medially rotated your hip, turned it inward, the ischiofemoral would tighten up as you turn the hip inward a little bit. Okay. So that's a look at the, the three intrinsic ligaments associated with the hip. Iliofemoral is the strongest of the three, and it will tighten up considerably the more that you extend your hip. You can't, you can't extend your hip as far as you can flex your hip, as far as you can move it forward. So that would then give us that, that idea. Now this is a blow up then of the, just looking at the, more looking at the ischiofemoral coming around. You notice how it twists and spirals as it comes. Here's a look at the iliofemoral coming down this way. A lot of the fibers are, they spiral, but a lot of, the, but a lot of them are relatively straight, longitudinally coming across. They do twist slightly coming around this way, as we mentioned. But the, by and large, you can see they're all, they, uh, they do have a lot more, what would you call it, straightness to it as they come around and attach. But there are deeper fibers that are more circular, particularly the bottom part of the ischial femoral. They're more circular going around the neck of the femur. And they form what's known as the zona obicularis. These are kind of the deep circular fibers. If you know, maybe on the top of page, somewhere in the top of page 71 there talks about the zona obicularis as the kind of spiraling circular components, mainly from the ischiofemoral coming around the neck of the femur. Now they do, all of these are going to not go exactly straight across, but you'll notice these are really circular. These are going around the neck of the femur, and they're going to attach around the front onto that intertrochanteric line. And they're referred to as the zona obicularis of that of the fibrous capsule going around the hip joint. Mainly the very bottom inferior portion of the ischiofemoral form the zona obicularis coming around that way. Okay, so that's what that refers to. And then 
within that fibrous capsule around the joint, we have to line it with the synovial membrane. So the synovial membrane is going to come from the inside of the capsule as that capsule surrounds the acetabulum, right? So you bring the fiber, the, I mean the synovial membrane lining the inside of the capsule from its attachment to the rim of the acetabulum. You bring it covering the inside of the fibrous capsule until it, the capsule attaches onto the, uh, the uh, intertrochanteric line in the front of the femur. Then you take the fibrous capsule and you reflect it back towards the head of the femur until you get to the spot on the head of the femur where we have the articular or hyaline cartilage. Because if we mentioned before, if, if the bone is inside the capsule and it's not covered with articular cartilage, it has to be covered with synovial membrane. Well, the neck of the femur is not going to be covered with synovial membrane, but it's still going to be inside the capsule. So you take the, cap, you take the synovial membrane component of the capsule from the rim of the acetabulum, you bring it over to the femur, and then you then draw it back and along the neck of the femur to as far as where the edge of the articular or hyaline cartilage would be covering the head of the femur. That reflection of the synovial packet, or tube if you like, back along towards the head of the femur, this portion here coming back this way, is referred to as the retinaculum. You notice that's on the top of 71 too. The retinaculum is the reflection of the synovial membrane from the attachment to the, from the femur back towards the head of the femur along the neck of the femur. That's referred to as the retinaculum. And that retinaculum becomes very important because the retinaculum is going to carry arterial supply to the neck of the femur. And we're going to get that arterial supply. We'll, uh, somewhere we'll get to it. We'll get that arterial supply is going to come from uh, branches that have come off the medial circumflex artery that will perforate through the fibrous capsule of the, of the hip joint. They'll follow and be carried in that reflection of synovial membrane back up called the retinaculum. And in that way, we then establish a very good arterial supply for the neck of the femur through those branches from the medial circumflex. Remember, the medial circumflex is going to come off the deep femoral. The deep femoral had a lateral circumflex and a medial circumflex. The medial circumflex went back around. That artery will perforate through the fibrous capsule. It will then follow along that reflection of synovial membrane and then help to uh, maintain a good arterial supply for the neck of the femur. The head of the femur was going to have a little bit of a, uh, was going to have arterial supply from that obturator artery that went underneath the transverse ligament and then would now travel forward and be attached onto the uh, head of the femur. So it's going to help uh, give arterial supply to the head of the femur. The branches off the medial circumflex are going to help give arterial supply to the neck of the femur and they're going to be carried in that retinaculum, that fold of synovial membrane coming along. So that's one fold, that's one uh, fold of synovial membrane within the hip joint itself. Now here's the other one. And I mentioned before that second, be that this area here would be hyaline cartilage, articular cartilage lined, this area not. So we have to cover this area with synovial membrane. That's what this represents. This green blob here represents synovial membrane attached to this portion of the acetabulum. And from that attachment onto the 
acetabular fossa, we're going to draw a tube of synovial membrane forward. And that tube here, coming around this way, is going to be called the ligament of teres, or round ligament, or sometimes it's referred to as the ligament of the head of the femur. It's not a true ligament. It's a tube of synovial membrane that's coming from the attachment onto the from the acetabular fossa and then being drawn out this way as a tube that will attach onto the head of the femur. That's why the head of the femur, when you look at it, has that little dimple in it, the, the fovea. That's the attachment, the end attachment of that synovial tube attaching on. And within that synovial tube, we will run some arteries that have come from the obturator artery. We have the obturator arteries going to come go through the fibrous capsule, branches of it. It will now tuck up underneath the transverse ligament. It will then run in that synovial tube to give us arterial supply to the head of the femur in that fashion. Okay. Sometimes they describe, sometimes they describe this as um, like a trumpet or the bell of the trumpet, whatever you call it. What's the end of the trumpet? Is that the bell? I don't know. Is it? The bell of the trumpet would be here, the fat part. And then you take from that attachment, then you draw up a tube of synovial membrane, which will go to the fovea on the head of the, of the femur. And within that tube, we'll run branches of the obturator artery to get us arterial supply to the head of the femur in this region here. It becomes very important. And uh, when the hip, uh, something goes wrong with the hip when it dislocates or when the neck of the femur breaks, you have to make sure that the arterial supply to the head and to the neck remain in good shape. Otherwise, the bone won't mend. It won't heal itself if it doesn't have a good blood supply. Okay. So, how are we doing? Oh, we did that, we did that, we did that. Ischial, femoral, pubal, femoral. Okay. Uh, ligament of teres, or sometimes it's referred to as the uh, ligament for the head of the femoral head or head of the femur. It's the same thing. Lig ligament of teres just means round ligament. There are a few of them in the body. So. And that's going to contain some of those branches off the obturator that will help to supply the head of the femur in that fashion. More looks at the same thing. A little bit small, I know, but let me see if I have another one. That one at the top gives you the idea of branches off that. This is our obturator artery, which is a branch off the, in, the internal uh, iliac. And we have it now, it goes through the fibrous capsule, tucks up underneath the, that transverse ligament, runs in that tube of synovial membrane coming across this way, and gives us an arterial supply to the head of the femur coming around like that. That ligament of the head of the femur is just, a, it's just, it has nothing to do with supporting the joint. It's just a tube of synovial membrane coming from the attachment on the acetabular fossa. Right. And a little bit of an idea here. If you could, if it's kind of small, you know. Little thickenings here, here, and here. The zona obicularis, those are the round components to the particularly the initial femoral ligament going around the neck of the femur, some giving the kind of the, the um, appearance for this whole fibrous capsule around, almost like an hourglass appearance because it's a lot thicker in the middle portion where those fibers are going around. So sometimes they describe 
the design of the capsule is kind of shaped like a, an hourglass attached up here with a wider end to the acetabulum, a wider end attached to the, to the femur. And when you look at it, there's a real thick part in the middle. And those are the fibers of that obicularis uh, zone, obicularis or orbital ones going around. Okay. Yeah, no, same thing. It's kind of hard to figure out. But that one gives you a better idea, a little bit of an idea of the acetabular labrum. Still will be incorporated into the, on, the, on the inside of the fibrous capsule. It's fibrocartilage, which is going to deepen the socket. It's going to make a, a little bit deeper socket for the head of the femur. And it's going to go out beyond, just beyond the margin of the, the bony margin of the acetabulum coming around this way. Look at the um, medial circumflex going through the capsule and being uh, helping to give a arterial supply to the neck of the femur. All right, the knee joint. This is a trickier one. If we look at the fibrous capsule on the knee joint, let's look at it from the, uh, the top back portion here. The top back portion, this line here will give us the attachment for the fibrous capsule of the knee joint on the back, so it's posterior superior. Basically, what we're really doing is we're going, this area here and that area would be the articular cartilage surfaces of the medial lateral femoral condyles. So we, go, we will attach the fibrous uh, capsule of the knee just beyond, just proximal to the articular cartilage. So we'll come around this way, dip in a little bit here at the intercondylar notch, and then come back around here over top of the the other um, articular surface on the femur. If we come down posterior inferior, same kind of idea. What we're going to do is just go attach the, the, the uh, capsule just a little bit distal now to the articulating surfaces on the top of the tibia. So we're going to draw it along this way. We might come up a little bit at the intercondylar eminence spot here, but this then would give us the attachment, the distal attachment on the back side for the fibrous capsule around the, the knee joint. Okay. And if we look at the front side, once again, this picture doesn't have the patella there, but the fibrous capsule is going to t attach into the, into the patella and attach onto the, um, onto the tibia and to the, and to the femur. So we don't have a patella here. This is our tibial tuberosity sitting here. So once again, we are going to then just follow this and this you have to think of the patella being situated right here. So we're going to end up with the fibers, the patella actually be surrounded by the extension of the quadricep muscle group. They're going to form a lot of the front component to the capsule on the knee joint, both medial and lateral aspects of it. So we don't have a patella here, but the patella would be sitting right here. And similarly up here, we don't have a patella. The patella would be sitting here. We're going to take the fibrous capsule of the, of the knee just beyond the uh, articular cartilage here, the articular surface, articular cartilage, and into the patella. We'll bring it up, and then it'll bl it will blend here with the bottom part of the quadricep muscle and its tendons as they come down and assert into the patella. And similarly here, we'll come and attach it onto the, over here, we'll attach it onto the uh, 
the, the lateral aspect of the of the uh, patella over here. And what we're going to end up with is a spot where the, of course, every we'll have to have synovial membrane inside that fibrous capsule. And what we're going to need to do is we need to take that synovial membrane up and underneath the quadriceps tendon and bring it back down because the synovial membrane in the knee joint is going to have to have some give to it, otherwise you can't flex and extend your knee. When you flex your knee, you have to have that synovial membrane in the capsule have, a little, have some give. When you extend your knee and straighten it out, then that synovial lining inside the capsule and the capsule itself will be a little bit redundant. It'll kind of have to fold back up on itself. And, and we'll take a look at that when we look at the synovial membrane inside. So that gives us a basic idea then of the design of the attachment of the capsule around the knee joint. Now, that being said, here's another look at it. You notice then the quadricep muscle, both the, the uh, tendon for the rectus femoris and the attachment of the vastus medialis, vastus lateralis, they're all going to then come in and attach onto the patella. The patella in turn is now going to attach onto the tibia through the Sometimes patella ligament, patella tendon, they'll use the two terms for the same thing. And you can then you get an idea up here, looking at the back attachment of the fibrous capsule, just coming over the articulating surface on the, on the femur on the lateral side, coming, kind of coming over the articulating surface of the femur on the medial side, coming down this way. You can't see its attachment here because of the popliteus muscle that they, they put in here. This one also gives you another, another look at it. It's not in the notes, but you'll notice that there is kind of a, an extension of the attachment of the vastus medialis over here. Most of it's going to run once again into this lateral side, uh, this side of the patella. But it also fans out here into what's known as a retinaculum, a medial retinaculum. You can see how this is going to help to form a lot of some part of the front aspect of the fibrous capsule on the knee joint. This, is an, this retinaculum is an extension of the vastus medialis over here, and it's going to come down and attach onto the tibia. So not all of what we've got from the vastus medialis is going to run into the patella. Some of it's going to come down and attach onto the tibia down here. You can see how that's going to help fill in that front part of the fibrous capsule on the medial side. And over on the lateral side, we're going to get the same thing from the vastus uh, lateralis, and we're also going to get some help on that lateral side from the iliotibial band. They're going to help to give a little bit of support to the front lateral aspect of the capsule of the knee joint. It's not in the notes, but it helps to kind of explain how that front capsule is formed. And if it's not there, I won't ask you, but it, you'll, you'll come across, you, when you're looking at the knee joint, you might come across those terms, the retinaculum on either side, and they're going to help form parts of that front aspect of the capsule coming around this way. All right. So patella, uh, the ligament patella, the patella ligament, patella tendon will be then the attachment from the patella down to the tibial tuberosity. And then we have then the contraction of the quadricep muscle group will now pull on the patella and it rides up. That in turn will put then pull on the patella ligament and then you'll get extension of your knee through that, to that movement, Then, 
what we're going to do is on the medial and lateral sides, we'll strengthen that fibrous capsule. So over on the lateral side, thickening of the capsule up here on the lateral side uh, on the femur, and then coming down and attaching, in part it's going to attach onto the, uh, a little bit of the tibia here, and then it's going to attach onto the head of the fibula. We're going to establish on the lateral side a lateral collateral or fibular collateral ligament. The top portion of that ligament is treated usually treated as an intrinsic portion, that is, it's just part of the fibrous capsule. But you'll notice what has to happen is that we need to create a space medial to that ligament in order to allow the popliteus muscle to come across. And so there's a little bit of a gap there. And so when that ligament comes down and attaches onto the head of the fibula here, that part of it, this bottom portion of the lateral collateral or fibular collateral ligament is usually treated as an extrinsic ligament because it's not it's just simply a thickening of the fibrous capsule. We have to allow the popliteus muscle to come across deep to that ligament and then attach here. So this would then give us a lateral collateral or fibular collateral ligament which will give us lateral support to the knee joint. Over on the medial side, oh, and once again, you'll know, we haven't got to it yet, but you'll notice because there's a gap there, that lateral collateral ligament cannot then be attached to the, the, the lateral meniscus, the, the lateral cartilage piece in the knee. Over on the medial side, we have a fairly consistent thickening of the fibrous capsule on the medial side, coming from the medial part of the tibia, coming down and attaching onto the medial portion of the, uh, sorry, of the femur, down to the medial portion of the tibia here. So we'll have a thickening over here on the medial side. That will be the medial collateral or tibial collateral ligament, treated as top and bottom as an intrinsic ligament, a thickening of the capsule. This is far more broad on the medial side. This is more like a cord over here on the lateral side. Let me take a look at the design of it. And once again, then this is now going to give us uh, medial support to the knee joint. And this one will be attached to the medial meniscus, the medial cartilage pad uh, inside the knee itself. Whereas the lateral one will not be attached to the lateral meniscus. Uh, then, if we have, and this is where you're going to have to correct the notes on, we have an, a kind of a backward lateral extension of the attachment of the semimembranosus. Here's our semimembranosus coming down this way, attaching on here. But this backward kind of lateral extension coming across the back of the knee capsule here forms the oblique popliteal ligament. Now, I've got oblique posterior, right? You should probably scratch out posterior and put popliteal. That is a, the kind of lateral back extension of the attachment of the semimembranosus muscle. That creates this thickening of the fibrous capsule on the backside here. That's oblique popliteal ligament coming across like that. And then we're going to have one part of the capsule that's going to arc over the popliteus muscle as it comes out. Comes around this way. That's the arcuate ligament. It's simply this portion of the fibrous capsule that arcs over the popliteus muscle as the popliteus muscle pokes out through the, the, um, the fibrous capsule of the knee joint. So that's called the arcuate ligament, comes around like that. And that's going to then just kind of keep the tendon of the popliteus muscle in, in its positioning around there. So that's the arcuate ligament coming around this way. The kind of backward lateral extension of the semimembranosus forms the oblique popliteal ligament. And then thickening on the lateral side intrinsic up at the top, 
but treated as extrinsic down at the bottom will be the lateral or fibular collateral ligament. And then over on the medial side of, of, of a lot broader ligament will be the tibial collateral or the medial collateral ligament over here on the medial side. And then I think that's probably not a bad spot. We'll, we'll quit here, and then we'll pick up the rest.